Hi, I'm Zealand. Like, actually, this isn't AI or anything. And you're listening to the Thousand Hours Podcast. Welcome to A Thousand Hours, your favourite football manager podcast featuring three people called Alex talking about football manager. I do get more specific each time, yes. Uh, I'm Alex Towles and I'm joined as always by Alex Tam Brown and Alex Woodward as we come together to share for the first time our saves on FM24. How are we doing, boys? Molto bene. Excellent. So, how many of us are doing what we said we would do in the last episode? So, I assume you're not, Tamp Brown, because you said you're doing this new different thing. Um, I am, I'm currently waiting for a, an extended database to come out, but I've, I've done something in the meantime, which is both horrific and also absolutely amazing. So, the, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you an idea. The plan is, is to take over my super local club and take them from the 13th tier of England to the Champions League which is of course <laughs> which is going to be horrendous that's going to take a long um, time it's going to, it's going to take a long time but i thought because it's my local club it's going to motivate me to actually do a proper 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 really long time long term save i mean i won't have even if i started off with a team of 18 year olds they would be 31 by the time I got to the Premier League if I got promoted year on year on year. Yeah. So um, so I've done something in the middle, which is um, kind of an anti-save, but we'll go into more detail later. Well, buddy, are you doing what you said you were going to do? Yeah, um, just quickly. Yesterday, as we record, this was a draw for Euro 2024, and I heard that Lichtenstein are in one of the playoff groups. And I was like, wow, Tamp Brown is working his wonders <laughs> again. It's, it, honestly, it's really weird. Like the so, amount of times yeah. that FM has also replicated real life. I always used to sign players like Declan Rice for Arsenal, and then he actually signed for us this summer. I was there going, am I in some sort of fever dream? What, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. So I'm one season into my Sam Remese Calcio. So, Is that what you said so, you were going to do? There's something to talk about. Okay, yeah. so that makes... The... the the Italian land of bicycles and singing. So that makes one of the three of us, because I am also not doing what I said I'd do last say, last last episode. I, I think I might have mentioned it last episode. I, I like briefly said I might do a save in South Africa, and that is what I have done. I have started at Cape Town Spurs and played three seasons with them in the South African Premier Soccer Division. Shall we start as we usually do? That's... Wait, gone. That's right, pot shot fans. It turns out Alex Towles is a Spurs fan. This get him off! Time. Get him off! Not those Spurs. It's they actually used to be part of Ajax. They used to be Ajax Cape Town, and then Ajax sold them. Oh wow! And they we bought we birthed themselves as Cape Town Spurs. Anyway, Alex Town Brown. We normally start with you. Yes. So um, let's get to it. I'll... What are you actually doing? So. Free warning for everyone, I've not gotten too far into this save because I've had massive problems with my PC, which has ended up in me having to order a new one. Um, this one I've had for 13 years and is now on the stage of just getting by. Even just running FM is uh, hard for it. So I've only got into November of 2023 and... I did a little bit of stuff in the in the beta, just kind of testing things out, seeing where everything was was going. And I thought, and as uh, the beta was, you know, getting on, and 
so much was going wrong in football, I decided to go on a crusade to make everything right, which is why the team I chose for my anti-save was Manchester United, right? And the aim of this save, and I have used the in-game editor to make sure that I don't get sacked, is to take Manchester United as far down the footballing pyramid as I can. I've currently got up until level 10 to get them uh, there. And um, how am I going about this? Well, first and foremost, I'll take you into uh, my tactics. I am playing what I consider to be absolute terrorism ball, which is three centre-backs who are no-nonsense centre-backs, two DMs, one central midfielder, two wingers, and two pressing forwards, right? Because it has, I don't want it to be just everyone behind the ball, it being very boring football. I want it to be a kind of normal formation, in quote-unquote terms. Um, but what is the main thing that makes this different from the Millwall save, which was very famous on Reddit a few years ago, is the fact that I'm not trying to get promoted, I'm obviously trying to get relegated. And the way that this park the bus formation is, is basically just dropping everyone as far back as possible um, to just invite pressure on. But I thought, well, I want to save football as well from all these players that are just genuine, awful people. Uh, So I I asked around uh, my group of friends as to who is the most hateable people in modern day football playing and then also retired, because I wanted to get the retired hated ones in as my coaches. So my assistant manager, because I couldn't get uh, the proper man, is Rodri Giggs, brother of Ryan, and he's kind of subbing in for Ryan at this um, at this point. And my coaching staff is William Gallas, John Terry, El Hadji Juf, Nicholas Bentner, Craig Bellamy, Ashley Cole, and Joey Barton who are leading my team of absolute knobheads, right? <laughs> I have sold everyone from Manchester United who was at least in the small bit likeable. So, obviously, Rashford, gone. Uh, Wan-Bissaka, gone. Uh, and all the youth players I also released as well. So that I could bring in, basically, these players who are either just horrendous professionals on the pitch or are genuine terrible people so my first two signings were christian romero and richarlison for a combined for a combined total of 151 million pounds and their job is to basically just try and get sent off as much as possible because of their complete lack of professionalism and their genuine terrible personas on the field Uh, another player that i got in for his complete just wankerish personality was emiliano martinez because he is just a, a bit of a weird a weird boy and i couldn't find any goalkeepers that were actively dislikable um i've also brought in um uh I think it was murder suspect Quincy Promes. I don't. I don't know whether it was murder, but I think he was involved in some very shady stuff whilst he was at Ajax. So he came in. Uh, Neil Morpé also uh, came in just because he's also thoroughly dislikable. Um, 
And I've also signed Mauro Icardi because you you can't be a nice person when you steal your idol's wife um, and start claiming his kids as your own. So he's in. Um, but I think the real uh, value in this whole squad that I've built is Anthony Gordon that I've brought in from Newcastle United for £115 million. Um Purely just because I don't like the bloke. I'm so, I'm sorry, Anthony Gordon, if you're listening to this. Don't be sorry. He's proper <laughs> he unlikable. Um, and to complete uh, my side with uh, signings is um, the uh, the Ghanaian that plays for Arsenal in the centre of midfield, whose name I won't mention, who is under some very heavy and suspected investigations. And I'm being very careful with my language here. So those are all the players I actually paid money for. So who else did I bring in to complete my team of just absolute wankers? Uh, well, Jerome Boateng's in, Ravel Morrison, Jesse Lingard, and Pepe. But the 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 cream of the crop is a returning Marouane Fellaini, who is just there to, again, break legs and take names afterwards. But uh, Alex Woodward, I needed a backup keeper. Can you guess which one I brought in? Jesus, that's a, that's a tough Leeds. question. Daniel Hoyer Fernandez. No, I love him. <laughs> I love him now after after that this it's, weekend. <laughs> Those he, of you who know, no. He played for Leeds. He He's played a for Leeds. And go on the theme of the squad. He's the he's the reason Melier well, plays for Leeds now. Kiko Casilla. Oh, Kiko yeah, Casilla came in. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what anyone says. Best chant of all time that Leeds have ever had was that Kiko, Casillas, yeah. Pablo Hernandez chant. It's just, it's perfect. So, it's the best chant. He's in as well to start over £50 million rival uh, Emiliano Martinez. So as you can see, I'm obviously trying to destroy this club. So my starting lineup is as this. Kiko Casillas in goal, Christian Romero, Pepe, and Lisandro Martinez at the back, which is uh, basically just asking for war. Uh, in the defensive midfield, I've got uh, the guy from Ghana who plays for Arsenal. I've got Hannibal, because if ever you've watched him play for Manchester United, he's not a footballer. He's a WWE star who finds himself on a football pitch. Um, the most, Probably one of the most unlikable people uh, is Bruno Fernandes playing at central midfield as a ball-winning midfielder. And then uh, I've got Anthony on the right-hand side and Alejandro Garnacho on the left-hand side. I mean, you score a worldy goal and you celebrate like Cristiano Ronaldo. Come on, mate, step out of the shadow. And then up top is Richarlison and the guy that went on loan to Getafe. The reason why I'm playing all these kinds of people is because I don't want them to have any success possible and I've locked them all in to long-term contracts, and any time that they are wanted by another club, I am just going to keep them at this club until they retire and hopefully just join my coaching staff and go into oblivion. Um, the only people who actually stayed from Manchester United was Harry Maguire and Scott McTominay, which gives you a sense of what I think about those two players. So either or, having... Ex- yeah, they're both dislikable in their own way. <laughs> I mean, Scott McTominay, how can you be a defensive midfielder that sometimes plays at centre-back for Scotland and yet be their top scorer mm. in qualifying and lead them to the Euros? Just yeah. stop it. Also, for the other one, Greece. Yes. Yes. Um, so, how do I get about training these guys to become worse? 
well, I don't actually train them. I've set them all on rest for the whole season, so they're not actually doing anything. <laughs> so the whole preseason, they only played one game, which was against our second eleven, in which five players got sent off because of the tactics I was playing. Um, so yeah, obviously not going well. They didn't play a preseason game, so they started the season absolutely knackered. We are now in October, having played 10 games in the league and three in the Champions League and one in the EFL Cup. Can you guess how we're doing? Poorly. That would be an overstatement, yeah. <laughs> understatement. Even worse than that. Understatement, yeah. yeah we are... Derby. Oh, Derby <laughs> would be winning the title if the league was full of these sorts of teams. <laughs> oh. So... Is your goal difference negative three digits? It is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Um, so I'll, I'll, ta- I'll take oh, you through dear. the one that doesn't really matter that much. Um, EFL Cup third round, Manchester United get drawn at home to Liverpool. And in front of a capacity Old Trafford, Manchester United lose 7-0. <laughs> in the Champions League... They have we have lost two nil to Copenhagen, four nil to Lons, and brace yourself, twenty one nil to Barcelona. <laughs> that's a lot. That's that's a big just, number. Just wait until you see the rest of it, towels. Um, <laughs> in in the league, uh, attendances have been slowly declining from the seventy five thousand capacity at Old Trafford to the point where we recently played Brentford at home and we only got sixty two thousand at home. So we're lo- we're losing right. about twelve thousand fans a month, which is is not good. Um, so we started off the season with a f- a fairly difficult uh, run. We had Tottenham, Aston Villa, and then Nottingham Forest. Can you guess? How many goals we conceded? Forty-six. Sixty-four. Forty. We conceded forty. Oh. <laughs> so we lost to Tottenham seven. No one wins. Price of right. We wins. lost. We lost to Tottenham seven nil. We lost to Aston Villa eighteen nil, and we lost to Nottingham Forest fifteen nil. <laughs> we then went on to Burnley and Palace which was a 10-0 drubbing at home to Burnley and a 2-0 loss at home to Palace, which is our best scoreline this season, 2-0. We then had uh, Luton Town at home, 6-0 to Luton. We then had Brighton away, 11-0 to Brighton. Brentford at home, 7-0. And then we come on to playing Arsenal at home and... I don't know what it is that Mikel Arteta did, but Emil Smith-Rowe scored eight goals and Bukayo Saka scored a triple hat-trick. Can you guess, can you guess the scoreline? 25-0. 16-0. Um, Alex Woodward's the closest. Um, I somehow masterminded a 42-0 loss. <laughs> to us oh my word that's bigger than that one where Australia pummeled like a random island of four people whatever it was was that 33? Yeah, 31 yeah oh my god 
weirdly enough, FM decided to give the rest, give Kiko Casilla in goal a 6.4. How the hell he got a 6.4 from a 42 nil loss? <laughs> Did they have, by any chance, 70 shots on target? They had 70. Because that would justify a 6.4. They had 70 shots, 49 of which were on target. Okay, that does not justify a 6.4. They scored 42 out of the 49 shots that were on target. Um, we had a shot in the game, but it was uh, and it was on target, but it had a 0.03 xG. So obviously we weren't doing that well. Uh, <laughs> I just can't even begin to describe because it was a normal, it was a normal setup. So Kiko Casilla was in goal. Um, I had to go a bit more defensive because a few people were already banned for this game. So I had Jerome Boateng at right back, Christian Romero at centre back. Pepe and McTominay at centre-back as well, and then Lisandro Martinez at left-back. I then had to play a double pivot in defensive midfield of Hannibal and Ravel Morrison, with Jesse Lingard and Bruno Fernandes playing in the more attacking central midfields, with that guy who's on loan at Getafe playing up top. And it, was, it was just terrible. Everyone, apart from Aaron Ramsdale on Arsenal's team, got a 10 in in that in, in that game um so what what's your tactic again my tactic is i'd like to say kind of normal but i have to switch it up depending on who's available and fit and not banned because obviously i'm not training them so they're not getting any match fitness or any sharpness at all so the tactic is a 3-2-1-4 three center backs two defensive midfielders one central midfielder two wingers and two forwards uh, at the moment, at least, because that's who's available. Um, so in the Premier League, despite Everton's 10-point deduction, which has left them on one point with a minus 10 goal difference, um, Manchester United sit bottom um, of the league with zero points and a... I'm trying to make the table wide enough so that I can see it. A minus 127 goal difference. Um the, by the way, not bad. By the way, the tenth game uh, in our little run was West Ham United, which we lost nine nil. So um, we are only nine. Yeah, West Ham are crap. I know. <laughs> this is the thing. It it goes in like weird droughts. I say droughts. We are, you know only conceding less than ten is a good thing for this team, really. Uh, and our Champions League group is just completely unrecoverable as we are 27 uh, goals behind everybody else with zero points. But interestingly, Copenhagen are top in the group because, of course, it makes the most sense. Barcelona are third with a plus 21 goal difference, as you do. So I think it's safe to say I'm on course for getting relegated. And the interesting thing about this save is that I've also got another manager in, just so I can see the news ticking over whilst um, I holiday the other manager basically, to get through everything a bit quicker. And the news before every game keeps saying that uh, my manager is on the course to be sacked after the game if we lose. And every time he doesn't get sacked because I turned on that become unsackable little little nodule. So man- <laughs> all I can imagine is Manchester United fans in a, in a deep despair because in, still in-game, the Glazers have not sold the club. I'm managing them and they are playing some of the <laughs> worst football imaginable 
with players on that pitch who are some of the most unlikable people to ever grace the game, coached by some of the biggest knobheads to have ever appeared in the Premier League. Hopefully by the end of next episode, I'll have completed at least one season. And that's your lot. I'd love to hear, like, you know, the Man United fans who do, like, YouTube stuff, uh, like Mark Gold I was gonna say, stuff, yeah, people like that, responding to this. I'd love to hear the Pot Shot Pod episode from the from Arsenal the game, because I'm pretty sure it'd just be an hour of you all laughing. I reckon we'd boycott it. I reckon the principled Pot Shot podcast would refuse to engage with this Manchester United side. You've got to rub it in. You've got to rub it in because they are the most awful people who deserve it, right? And that's what people need to think mm. about. If you're a Man United fan listening to this, right? One, it's because your club has the most knobheads employed. You know, how can you employ Hannibal, Bruno, Anthony, Garnacho, that guy who's on loan at Hitafe, uh, Maguire, and McTominay, all in one, and Lisandro Martinez, and not expect to be taken over as the one that's easiest to keep all the knobheads at, right? And it's not personal against Manchester United, it's personal against these players. So, don't worry. Also, Steve McLaren's still knocking around as my uh, director of football now. So... Aww. He did... I like Steve. Wally with the brolly. Steve's nice. And his his attempted Dutch accent was a crime against all Dutch people. So Okay, that, yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> so that is how it's going. Um, I'm fully expecting to be relegated to the Championship. I'm hoping to be fully relegated to the Northwestern Premier Division, where Macclesfield will rise past us in hopefully League Two or the National League North. Who knows? Oh, I can't wait for them to play FC United and Manchester. Oh, that would be, be, oh, be the derby. best day. be an incredible derby. I want it live streamed. Um, but just so you know, um, the Premier League is looking a bit weird, and you can tell who's played us because they normally have a positive goal difference. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, the whole top half have a positive goal difference, as do Chelsea, who are thirteenth, by the way, with ten points, and um, Tottenham, who are fourteenth with. Uh, Seven points. I was going to say five then, but that was Fulham in in seventeenth. So yeah, uh, so far the the relegation places are going to myself, Everton, and Sheffield United. Which I mean, I think most Premier League fans can be happy about, really. Fair enough. I think yeah, this is a hell of a save. A hell of a save. I think it's one of those where I personally never do it because I don't want to manage those people. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not managing them, Tal. It is one of those. All I have, all I have no, done is set... You're driving them into the I've, dirt. I've, I've, into I've the said dirt. to them, you're on rest. They're not training, so they're not coming into the training ground to do anything. They're sitting at home. They're playing a, a football match or two every week and losing horrendously. I mean, it's absolutely piss-poor man management. And I'm also... The thing I've neglected to mention is I've changed my captain every week after every loss. So... <laughs> And I'm just absolutely peeing off the whole squad. Uh, my current captaincy team is Ravel Morrison and Alejandro Garnacho. So y- you can see how it's going. Also, Pepe at 40 has played the most games this season. Of course. Because, good. of course, um, it's it's not looking good, Brev. It's not looking good. It's not looking good at all. 
Um, so, on to nicer things. Uh, my save. I do have one link, though. I have one link between your save and mine. You've employed Ravel Morris. I, I think I've mentioned it. I think I've mentioned it. Uh, so I think Tam Brown knows, but I'm not sure if Alex Woodward knows. There is one person that Alex Tam Brown employs at Manchester United that I employ at Cape Town Spurs. Who is it? No, I do know. It's Alas Juf. Yeah. Yeah. It is Al Hasjouf, who is my director of football at Cape Town Spurs. In all fairness, uh, I'll say punched. this for him. Mm-hmm. When he was at Leeds, I, I never met him, but a lot of the people who did said he was actually really nice outside of football and like really friendly, really chatty. Get, get, got along with everyone. Stop sort of ruining thing. my storyline, so... please. <laughs> no, no, because he deserves it for his on the pitch reputation. And the infamous Neil Warnock quote before he signed him. Um, but, yeah, off the pitch, apparently was really genuinely nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, I poached El Hajjouf from a Senegalese side to be my director of football as one of my first actions when I arrived at Cape Town Spurs because he's genuinely in-game, like, surprisingly decent for the level. Like, if you're... If you have Africa loaded and you need a director of football with, like, 10 to 12 in the important stats. So, like, I don't know, a half-decent League One-level director of football. Now has Juve. Go get him. Um, and he's really cheap as well. I'm only paying him 800, grand, 800 pounds a week. 800 grand, 800 grand a week for El um, Juve? You must be crazy. <laughs> are, you, are you playing in Saudi so, Arabia or something? You're not actually in South Africa, right? No, I am in South Africa, and I've done three seasons in South Africa with Take Town Spurs, and I intended to take notes all the way through and keep track of the save to make it easy to come on here and do a monologue like this. And I've got really extensive notes of my first season, and then I forgot halfway through the second season, so... Whoops. Oh well. Um... So, I started this save in a... So, so the aim for this save was to be a journeyman. Started from the bottom, now we are here. Uh, starting in South Africa and working my way up to the top of the European game, hopefully. I started with the A coaching badge, but the worst one, a national sea license and no reputation. But I did insert myself at Cape Town Spurs rather than starting unemployed because I... Wanted to manage Cape Town Spurs. I've got a mate who's from Cape Town. Wanted to manage the Cape Town Spurs. So I started there. Um, I immediately had problems because Cape Town Spurs are a two and a half star reputation club in game at the start of the save. And I had a half star reputation as their manager. So the players did not like me very much to start the save. Uh, and at the first hint of anything going wrong, they were going to turn on me and lead a squad mutiny. Especially because I started this save right at the start of FM24, like the first day of full release. And as we all know, on the first day of full release, up until the most recent patch, there was a lot of squad mutinies. <laughs> and they had a lot of power. So... One one very small straw was all it was going to take to break the camel's back. And it was a weird start to the season as well, because for some reason, 
the South African League was messed up in such a way that I had one league game on August 5th and then nothing until mid-September. Absolutely nothing. We won that first game, which is a quite impressive 2-1 win against Kaiser Chiefs, who were one of the big three in South Africa. It's Kaiser Chiefs, Orlando Pirates, and Mamelodi Sundown. I tell you what, uh, their fans are going to be angry. I predict a riot. <laughs> Get him off. Christ. Never let him contribute again. Um, <laughs> so that was an impressive win to start the season. Um, and then in September, I dropped my captain, Clayton Daniels. Uh, and just to give him a rest, because he's about 39. Uh, and he kicked off, called a meeting to say that he'd lost all trust in me and that I'd lost the dressing room. And there was like eight people standing alongside him. So even though we were like, we, we done quite well, we were suddenly in the midst of a squad mutiny. Um, this did bad things for our ability to play football. Uh, we, through October and November, we were dominating games, but then shipping goals for fun. Uh, and just like, you know, we go turn it up and then drop back to two all or lose three, two. Um, and then like, yeah, that, that's just, that was the story of the save for a bit. Um, I had made some signings. I'd brought in, uh, Rayad Peters, uh, a goalkeeper from uh, Mamelodi Sundowns to be my new starting goalkeeper. I'd signed some midfielders for free, uh, including Fumlani Unshangazing. I This is the first time I've ever pronounced any of these names out loud. Uh, Ayanda Potosi uh, on a free and Zola Malambo on a free. And these guys were like the star pieces in my squad, especially Ayanda Potosi. Um, who got four goal contributions in three games before doing his ACL in September and promptly retiring. <laughs> Sorry. That's, Which didn't help. That's just all... Wait, so was it just a... He got the injury and then you got the notification that he was retiring? Mm, almost. I So I got the notification that he'd done his ACL and was out for the season. And then I got a Potosi considering retirement. And then when we got to December, he retired. So it took a couple months for him to actually decide to retire. But yeah, like he played a whole three league games in which he was brilliant, did his ACL, and then I never played him again because he retired. That's that's just brutal. (laughs) That was fun. Um, But yeah, we somehow managed to scrape our way through that tricky early period in fourth in the league because we won like our first three four games and then there were like a game every two weeks for some reason the scheduling was weird um so we were able to survive our period of like five six games without a win still in fourth place uh and then form picked up a bit in december where we won against chipper united who were the worst team in the league by far held sundowns who were a top three challenger to a nil-nil draw, uh, and then managed to beat Orlando Pirates 1-0 at home to end the year. Uh, that 1-0 win was enough to convince Clayton Daniels that my managerial support had improved uh, and he didn't hate me anymore. Uh, this moved my managerial support from 
incredibly negative to ever so slightly below average, uh, which is nice. Uh, yeah, the the amount of draws did us some favors with the coming fourth, I think, because we, like as I said, we go ahead two 0 and then get pulled back quite often. Then in January, I signed a player called Gift Matupa as a replacement for Potosi. Uh, he's a natural. He was a natural attacking midfielder, but then I signed him, and the game said he was a two and a half star attacking midfielder, but a three and a half star striker which was really weird. So he barely got any game time. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a thing that I did. Uh, then I got much, much better when my captain stopped hating me for no reason, believe it or not. Uh, we won 14 and lost four of our next 18 games through February, March, April, and May, uh, with our only lo- with three of those four losses being to Chiefs, Sundowns, and Pirates, the big three teams in the league. And then Stellenbosch beat us for some reason. Stellenbosch are a real bogey team for this save. Um, but they, yeah. Fuck Stellenbosch. Um, I've just got this uh, feeling that when your captain decided to f- forgive you, before that, on every sort of player night out, he was just absolutely having a right go about you to every other player in the team. You know, they just sat there in the bar maybe having, you know, a couple of, of, of nice drinks and he's just absolutely tearing you to shreds. And then you start winning a few games and he has, and everyone else has turned around to him and gone, you kind of need to drop this. And that's when he's he's forgiven you and the rest of the squad have just gone like that just because they're so scared of him. That's yeah. that's my little headcanon for your save. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's just everyone, he, he rightfully was like, why the hell is this guy who literally has no idea what he's doing and I've never heard of now the manager of the team. And then by dis- by Christmas, when the relegation, like one of the teams that we were supposed to be battling relegation and then by Christmas we were fourth, even though everyone hated me. And he was like, oh, all right, fair enough. Maybe you know what you're doing. Uh, and that did the job. Um, long story short, for the rest of the season, we were quite good. Uh, we finished fourth. Because for some reason, being like, like, the run of crap form at the start of the season had us fourth. The run of incredible form for the rest of the season kept us fourth. I don't know. What can you do? Also, um, in that first season, in that, in that first transfer window, uh, I made two big sales. Uh, so Cape Town Spurs have quite a good youth system. Obviously, like the Ajax links mean they've got, the, the former Ajax links mean they've got quite good youth facilities and youth recruitment in the game. Uh, and at the start of the game as well, quite a few of the real players were quite good, quite high potential as well. So I was able to sell two players to championship clubs for big money at the start of the game. Uh, Asanelli Velabhai, who was my starting left winger and like I was fully planning on building my team around him because my mate told me that he'd done Vedabai done really well for him when he'd done a uh Cape Town Spurs save a little while ago. Uh I sold him to Swansea for a hundred K rising to 125,000 with forty percent profit from the sellum. Uh, and then Rushwin Dortley, which is a great name. Uh, he was my best centre back who I sold to Southampton for 110,000 rising to 125, again with 40% profit from the sell on. Um, I then 
So I'm mentioning this now because in like April, May, towards the end of the season, the club was hemorrhaging money and in 250 grand of debt. So I sold the sell-on clause for the Dortley deal, which had risen to 800, which get me, netted me another 800,000 pounds because he'd played once for Swansea and therefore his value was like a couple million. So we basically sold a player for a hundred million pounds in the first season after we played one game, which was great. Uh, we finished fourth that season on 62 points, seven points behind first place Kaiser Chiefs and nine points ahead of Pirate, Orlando Pirates in fifth. So that really shows we were in an island of our own as the fourth best team in the league. Um, I also got, uh, in my youth intake, my first youth intake, a really good centre-back through called Sabusio Ungakobo. Um, and we will come back to him later. So, the second season started quite rocky because both my first team goalkeepers got injured. Peters got injured and then my backup keeper, Viva, got injured. So I had about three weeks where I was playing my under-21s goalkeeper and that didn't go very well. Um, so that wasn't a fun way to spend, like, August, September time. Uh, but then, when we got our goalkeepers back, we went unbeaten from September to April. And we won many, many games in a row in that time. Uh, I won Manager of the Month a few times. Uh, we then started winning some trophies. So this save is a bit different from my save last season, last year, because you might remember with Taunton, it took me a while to win some major silverware. Uh, this year, season two, uh, I won a quadruple. I won the South African Knockout Cup, which is basically the top league teams in a straight knockout tournament, takes place in the first half of the season. I won the South African FA Cup, which does what it says on the tin. I won the league, which I think you'd expect after going unbeaten from September to April. And I won the equivalent of the Europa League, which I qualified for by finishing in fourth, the African Confederation Cup. That is four of the five competitions I was entered in, we won. The only one we lost was the Super 8, which is a, it's another domestic competition between the top eight finishing teams in the South African Premier League. Um, if you can hear some loud rumbling, that's my tumble dryer. Apologies. Speaking of ignoring loud noises, I'd like to mm-hmm. imagine that guy who was complaining about you is still complaining about you, but nobody can hear him because the parade's going past <laughs> with all the trophies. Everyone's it's cheering. I released him. I, oh, I let good. him go at the end of the first season. Well, now we I hate appointed, you even more. Did you get I appointed by nice shiny new goalkeeper Peters as my? Uh, so he, so he's captain. just sat at home um, watching you win everything, and he's no, he retired. I, I just he was there with a beard, just going. I still fucking hate him though. <laughs> he's a knob. Yeah. I I could have won the quadruple if he didn't let me go. Did he not know I, I saved the atmosphere? <laughs> he was 39. Yeah, so I, I made quite a few signings. I completely replaced my centre-back partnership. Um, I signed a new striker, a bloke called Oscar Maratu. And then in... And I also supplemented those guys with people from the youth system. So there's this guy called Luke Bartman, who plays, who's a real player for Cape Town Spurs. Uh, in game, he's got 20 flair. So he came in as a rotation winger. 
Um, I've got Faiz Abrahams, who was going to be my backup to Velapai, but immediately just stepped up and became my starting left winger. And he was on fire in the second season. Uh, Abrahams got 14 goals and 10 assists in 26 appearances in the league in the 24-25 season. So that's 24 goal involvements in 26 games as we went on to win the league. Um, he also scored goals in the cup and he got one goal in the um, conference league equivalent, uh, which was quite nice of him. Well done him. So yeah, we were just basically brilliant. Um, I also signed Oswin Apollos, who is a real life South African wonder kid, like the next guy that people were expecting to come into Europe, like um, your Percy Towels, people like that. Um but he kind of, he's in real life, he's stagnated for a little bit. Um, I picked him up in January for not very much money at all because he was going for free at the end of the season, but I wanted my star number 10, which I'd been missing for an entire year and a bit after Potosi uh, got his uh, ACL. Uh, so yeah, I picked up him and he was amazing in the running. He got eight goals and three assists in 11 league games in the second half of the year. That's a lot. Um and also, because of the amount of competitions I was in and the fact that South African scheduling is a bit weird, my May schedule was absolutely brutal. I played like seven games in 14 days to, to end the season. It was like game rest, game rest, game rest, game rest, game rest, game rest. And two of those games were the Conference League final and the FA Cup final. So that was pretty rough. That wasn't fun. Um, and in winning the league, we kind of had to battle back as well. So it's not like the league games were dead rubbers where I could play all the kids. I had to actually win those league games else we wouldn't have won the title because of the bad run of form we had at the start of the year. So yeah, managed it in the end. We won the one league title with 74 points from 30 games, winning 22 drawing two and losing four, three of which came in that bad run at the start of the season. Then into the third season. So it, at the end of the second season, I'm thinking, right, there's not much left for me to do at Cape Town Spurs. Uh, and where do I want to go next with this save? When I first booted this save up, I had Africa, South Africa loaded and the big five leagues and like a couple other places um, just so I could like have a pool of players that I could sign. But at the end of the second season, towards the end of the second season, I decided to switch up the loaded leagues in this save. So I moved all of the big five league countries to view only. Um, so that's England, Spain, France, German, Germany, Italy. They're all view only, so I can't go and manage there. Uh, and then I picked up some of the leagues below them. Um, so if I just pull up the exact list. I loaded up Japan, the Netherlands, Portugal, Belgium, Austria, and Sweden. No, not Sweden, Switzerland. As, like, the next five leagues down from the big five leagues. Um, I Also, I didn't take Turkey because uh, I, in being at South Africa, I've also already copied Zealand for the second year's Second year in a row unintentionally, so I don't want to go to Turkey like 
Kevin Lelujo is. Oh, he's copied you. He has copied me, but still. Um, I don't want to be doing the same thing as all the big YouTubers, so I'm not going... Also, to... you don't want to go to Turkey because it's terrible. Not going to Turkey. Uh, I do have Japan loaded, though. Uh, so that could be interesting. Also, your hair's fine and your mm-hmm. teeth are lovely anyway, so you don't need to go to Turkey. So, <laughs> fine. Uh, I then... So, season three... Season 3 started with a big, big sale. Fires Abrahams went to Portuguese side Boa Vista, who we'd just loaded up for a million pounds. He was initially worth £250,000, and a a Saudi Arabian side made a bid for him, and I rejected it because they only bid like a hundred grand, and he kicked off, and he was like, I want to leave. And I was like, okay, for a reasonable fee, and he said 275, and I was thinking, I was only going to get, like, 100 grand anyway, so I was like, yeah, snap your hand off. This started a bidding war. Someone bid 275, I accepted. Someone bid 500 grand, I accepted, and rejected the other one. Someone bid 500 grand, rising to 750 grand, I accepted that and rejected the other one. Someone bid the same as that, but negotiable as opposed to non-negotiable. So I negotiated it to be instead of 500 grand rising to 750, 750 rising to a million. They accepted. So I accepted that and rejected the other ones. And so I sold Fies Abrahams to Boa Vista for one million pounds. Wheeler dealering is wonderful. Sorry, sorry. Can, um, can anyone else hear that? It's uh, it's Donald Trump calling, asking about the art of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. Love to see it. Um, I also sold my backup attacking midfielder, uh, the wonderfully named Juninho Koopman. Uh, he went to Portugal as well, joining Portim- Portio Portimonense. Uh, for £55,000, which is not much, but he really wanted to leave and was in the last year of his deal. Um, I replaced him, I replaced the two of them with a youth player promoted called Dakia Lee, who'd been impressing out on loan in the second tier. And I brought back Vela Bailly, um, who had played precisely once for Swansea in two years uh, and was no longer had a work permit. So I was able to bring him in on loan for literally no money. Uh, I also signed a new goalkeeper as uh, the long-term starting goalkeeper and Captain Peters was starting to decline with age, which is a bit sad. Uh, I then promoted uh, Ungakobu, who you might remember as the Wonder Kid not official Wonder Kid, but Wonder Kid centre back who came through my youth intake in the first season. He'd grown massively in the under 19s, uh, and so was ready to just slot in as one of my starting centre backs, which is quite nice. Uh, and yeah, the, the only other notable transfer business that happened happened in January, uh, where my stalwart left back Liam Byrne uh, went to Europe because. I think he went to RB Salzburg. Let me just check that. No, he went to Bra- he went to Portugal as well. He went to Braga. Uh, so Liam Byrne went to Braga for his release clause of £275,000 because I'd forgotten that his release clause existed. And this presented me with some difficulties. So the tactic I've been playing and doing very well with in this save is a 4 2 3 one, uh, with, like, it's a custom control possession tactic. So, like, 
standard control possession, except I take off work ball into the box and get them pressing a bit more. Um, I also have a, like the positional play elements. So I've got my right back is a wing back on attack. So he pushes up to join the front five with my right midfielder, right winger tucking in as an inside forward. That means my left back is very important because my left back is an inverted fullback who comes across to make the back three, which as we all know is extremely overpowered in FM24. Liam Byrne was apparently the only natural inverted fullback in all of Africa because replacing him was incredibly hard. I managed to replace him eventually with Mazin Mohamedayan smashing the club record transfer fee and buying him for £150,000 from a Sudanese side that I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce. Um, But he wasn't a natural inverted fullback. He's a natural defensive wingback who can kind of do inverted fullback things. Like, there was no one who was willing to sign for me who was, like, natural as an inverting fullback from the left, which was absolutely crazy uh, and sucked. Um, And Liam Byrne, instead of staying with me for the rest of the season, uh, went to Braga and played precisely zero times. So, good for you, Liam. Um, But that that would turn out to be really annoying because it meant that we were notably worse through the back end of the season, especially because Mohamedayan playing for his Sudanese side had played in the African Champions League, which meant that I couldn't register him in my African Champions League squad. I had to make do with other people at left back. Speaking of the Champions League, I quite wanted to win that, considering that uh, that was basically the only thing I had left to do. Um, I also wanted to win Super 8, um, which we got to the final of, but then lost to Orlando Pirates, which is annoying. The Champions League run was quite nice. Um, In our group, which we... We topped our group uh, with highlights including a 4-0 win away at Algerian club Setif and then a 5-1 home win at Egyptian side Zamalek. Uh, We then had a little cause for concern because I lost the reverse fixtures like 3-1 and 4-1, but it was fine because we'd already won the league by winning all of our first four games, so it was chill. Um, In the... Quarterfinal, we beat Ghanaian side Asante Kotoko uh, in quite like a routine two-legged two-legged tie. It was five-three. Uh, the semi-final was closer against ES Sahel, who were from Tunisia. Uh, we beat them three-one in the end, uh, but it was a tight two-legged two-one home win. And then we absolutely shut the game down away with a last-minute screamer from my right-back Fisher to seal the win. And then in the final, we faced Zamalek, you know, the guys who we beat 5-1 in the group. Uh, it wasn't so easy against Zamalek. Um, Neo Maima, my attacking midfielder slash left midfielder who'd scored a brace in the group stage game, was out of that one through injury. Uh, and due to the, again, brutal May schedule, my first 11 were absolutely knackered. Um, It's a two-legged final. Uh, The first leg was at home, which we drew one all. Uh, We dominated the game, but we couldn't put the ball in the back of the net, which was really annoying because if we had Naima, I bet we could have scored three or four. Uh, Then in the away leg, we went 2-0 down uh, in the first hour. 
So I was, I was sitting there. I, I, I played this last night and I was sitting there like, Oh my God, I'm going to be coming onto this call and talking about how I've lost at the final hurdle and feeling very sad because I don't want to stay and do another year at Cape Town Spurs to redo it. Uh, but we managed to pull it back to two all, uh, by making some substitutions. And one of those subs was bringing on, uh, hometown lad. Asanele Velabai, who we'd had on loan and was just, you know, being a rotation piece in the team. We managed to put it back to draw to all, and it went straight to penalties. Our goalkeeper, Manula, saved their second and third penalties, but then we missed our fourth, meaning that the fifth penalty would be decisive. And who steps up to take it? Asanele Velabai who we sold in the first transfer window and had come back to join us and he scored to win us the African Champions League. What a beautiful story. Yeah, Absolutely love it. We sold him in the first season. He went and sat on the bench at Swansea for two years, then came back to win us the African Champions League. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Just love Um, to see it. We also won the league. But we went out of the cups because I played all of the kids as I'd won them before and didn't care. Uh, also, in winning the league, um, we absolutely stomped it. Uh, we got 75 points, which was a, 79 points from our 30 games, which was a league record. We only lost once, which was in, which was in April, which is very annoying because we were genuinely on for an invincible season. Who wants to guess who we lost against? Avalody Sundowns. That team you said it were a bogey side who I've already forgotten. Alex Woodward gets the point. It was Stellenbosch, our bogey team, who... Stellenbosch. Also... I should have known that because I was going to make a joke about how it sounds like a Dutch cyclist. <laughs> uh, Welcome to Stellenbosch and, for today's race. And they also knocked us out one of the cups as well. Like, they were a real bogey team for us, which is very annoying because they were incredibly, incredibly mid-table. Um, but yeah, Stellenbosch stopped us from getting an invincible season. Um... You know, they've added a new uh, screen to the end of the season, which says season stats for the year. Um, Here's my season stats. Uh, Expected goals per game, 2.8 first. Expected goals against, 0.92 per game first. Goals per game, 2.9 first. Goals conceded a game, 0.73 first. Fouls against per game, 9.96 first. Shots on targets per game. 7.43 7.43 first. Average possession, 63% first. Clean sheets, 14 first. I reckon we were the best team in South Africa, don't you? I, I reckon you've probably um, been the best team decent. ever in South Africa. <laughs> Absolutely wallop the league. Uh, and my contract was up at the end of the season anyway. So I decided that I was going to leave. And I'd never actually let my contract run down in FM before. So I made a couple saves and then let it run down. Uh, and it would run down. And the save, doing a save in South Africa is weird. Preseason starts in like the start at the, like the end of June. So if your contract expires at the 30th of June, a week of preseason happens and then you let go. Except I wasn't that go because it put me back on a month to month contract. And I thought instead, like, so it's like forcing me to resign. So what I actually did is I did a naughty thing and I saved and reloaded just back a couple weeks to the actual break 
so that I didn't have to let them do a week of preseason with me. And then I resigned. Um, so that's me done with Cape Town Spurs in three seasons. We won two league titles, one Champions League, one Conference League, two domestic cups, um, one of each of them, um, and two manager of the seasons, many, many awards. Um, and yeah. That I've also managed to get myself a Continental C license and I'm studying for a Continental B. And my reputation was two stars. And I say was because when we loaded up this uh, Zoom call and we started recording, I was unemployed. I just resigned and I was advancing through. I applied for a couple jobs uh, in the countries that I had set up. So I applied for the FC Zurich job in Switzerland. Didn't get it. They left me out of the room. Applied for the Club Bruges job. Uh, a pretty big job. Didn't get it. Left out of the room. Uh, and then the World Cup ended. And the Nigeria job became available. So I am now the manager of Nigeria. That's the next step of my journeyman save. I've left Cape Town Spurs. I love it. And I'm now the manager of Nigeria. Which has immediately picked up my reputation from... Two stars. Can we, can we talk about how the fact that Alex Woodward has just said "I love it" to someone managing internationally on FM? It's it's just the idea of it. He, he didn't pick to go to international football because he just wanted to and went, "Hey, let's do Jamaica." No, let's it's, not. I I, I, I retired. <laughs> I, I I resigned. I had no job. Yeah, he was, kind of, he had, was forced. <laughs> yeah, into no it. one else would hire me. I like him. That's the next I, step I just, on his journey. Yeah, it's good. It's I, I, I genuinely haven't done international football in FM for years, and apparently in FM twenty four, it's all right. Obviously, it's not amazing, but like it's better than it was. So I'm quite looking forward to seeing what I can do with the Nigerian national team, famously stacked with incredible famously. forwards. Um, I've, I've just got this vision in my head of you only being allowed to go a certain amount of mileage north. So that's why you couldn't get any of the European <laughs> jobs. I tried to get the European yeah, jobs. They left me out the You were too far room. away. You weren't allowed. You ha- they said you had to get within a certain distance of them. <laughs> and they meant literal distance. Yeah. Couldn't get the flight. Sorry, there's no connecting flight from... I was driving in his car. I was doing the hardest geezer type thing. They would only let me take the job if I ran the entire length of Africa to get back to Europe. And I said as, no. As, as Towels was driving up from South Africa to <laughs> Switzerland and Belgium, his car actually broke down in Nigeria. And they just kind of went, oh, yeah, you can manage the national team. Why don't you? You can have a go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty nice that I have... Um, I, I've gone from managing players on like one grand a week. And now as Nigeria manager, I've got prime Victor Oshman, who's playing for PSG. And he's going to lead the line for me and score a Who billion me goals. Just whatever you do, don't put on social media that he's a pumpkin after he misses a penalty or something. Just, yeah, just don't, don't do, do it. That. It's not worth it. <laughs> he, he was me thinking he's he was going like to. He was me thinking he was going to um, say prime Alex Iwobi, <laughs> just ignoring all the other good <laughs> players from Nigeria. <laughs> I don't even think Alex. I think Alex Iwobi is retired from international football because he's not on my selection. If I go to my national team, it's nice excuse for not playing. No, actually, I retired. I, I actually, uh, I retired from the England national football team at age twenty, <laughs> so that's why I've never played for England. So, no, he's here. He's just not been not been called up in a while. Fair enough. But yeah, that's Cape Town Spurs, uh, as opposed to Taunton, where I stayed there for twenty two years. 
uh, and eventually won the league and the Champions League. It, Cape Town Spurs, three years, league, Champions League, two cups, bosh. It's, it's a great story. It's a great story. It really Easy is. peasy. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't, I'm not, I was kind of hoping I'd get to go to Japan, to be honest. Like, I was willing to, like, because, so the Japan, Japanese seasons run annually, as opposed to being 23, 24, it's the 2023 season, 2024 season, etc. Uh, and so, like, I was kind of thinking I might end up getting parachuted into an in trouble, pardon me, J1 league side. But when the Nigeria job came up, I was like, yeah, I kind of have to go for that, don't I? So I did. Here we are. I'm Nigeria manager. That's that's the way the cookie crumbles, apparently. Bosh. 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 Um, shall we take a quick break before we let Woodward tell us about his Italian adventures? We shall indeed. Back in a second. And we're back from the break, where I discovered that in 2026... After playing out his three-year contract at Hal Halal, Alexander Mitrovic made a free transfer to Real Sociedad. Yeah, true. Of course. Of course. Yep. That's just going to happen in real life. He seems like the perfect Real Sociedad like... player. I can, I see can, him I can def- definitely see him in a Manchester United shirt where we go to the Championship and he just drops a stinker. <laughs> He's perfect for your <laughs> He's side. He's just been subbed at half-time for Andre Silva. Anyway... Um, so I, I'm an international manager now. I can just rock up to Real Sociedad games for no reason. Let's talk about football manager um, and not this specific save because we've already talked about that for like half an hour. It's time for Alex Woodward to talk about his save. Yay! Yay! So I took over at San Mamesa Calcio, as mentioned, in the last episode for a reason because I love bicycles and I love your vision song contest. So San Mamesa is a fairly obvious city to pick. San Mamese start off in Serie D, that means you have to buy, an ex- well not buy, download, sorry, an extended database, which I was going to wait for the FM Fusion one, but then I saw one on the Steam Workshop and I was like, that'll do, sure. So obviously it will come as no surprise to you, being a semi-professional side in the fourth tier of Italian football, but we didn't really have much money to spend. I was able to get in three players. Ahead of the new league season, you will know none of them. Nicholas Coca-Cola, as I call him, Coca-Cola. Hopefully he develops a cocaine habit, because then, then he'll battle be in the papers. Hopefully he doesn't, because that's well, Sorry, terrible. just to stop you, on the... not to, Sorry, to go back to my save, something I forgot. On the topic of players who you will have heard of, for the last six months of my save, after a brief midfield injury crisis, I signed Paulinho. Yes, that one. Of course, off of did. Barcelona and Spurs and that. He's 37, he did an excellent job, and he scored the goal that won us the league. Can't believe I forgot that. Wow. I also signed a guy called Federico Marigoso and Vittorio Pagani. All of them were on freeze. I did sign people later on. I might as well just talk about them now in the January window. I signed a guy called Nicholas Bologna from Notoresco. Notoresco apparently didn't like him anymore because they transfer listed him and he immediately became my best player by country mile despite the fact that they were mid-table in their Serie D group. So that's great. And then I was able to loan in two players from AC Milan as well. So obviously as any fan of football in general will know the teams in Serie D start off their season in the Coppa Italia Serie D so instead of being in the actual normal Coppa Italia for the big boy teams this is a cup competition 
for teams in Serie D and the winner gets something, I don't know, round of applause. The, the Coppa Italia Serie C, you get a guaranteed playoff place, I think, if you win. If you win the cup, you get a playoff place in the league and that's your reward. I don't know if that extends to Serie D. And it didn't matter because our first game of the season, we would lose 1-0 away at Vardo. Except, that's what the real San Remeta Calcio did in real life. I hadn't noticed that the database I downloaded didn't come with the Coppa Italia Serie D. I only realised when we got to December, and I was like, hang on, surely we should have played a cup game by now. And then looked and went, oh, this this doesn't come with the Coppa Italia Serie D in it. So if you are going to get an extended database for Italy, get the one from FM Fusion, which is an actual Italian football manager for them, and they actually care. And it also has the Excellenza in as well, so that's the fifth tier. So significantly better than game than one I got. But at this point, I'd played half the season already, and I truly didn't care about trying to replay everything. So in the league, which was the only thing I played this year because I'd got the wrong database, we would open up with five wins. Now, despite San Remese Calcio not doing particularly well in real life, they were one of the favourites to win the league in my save, and with how Serie D works, you have to win the league if you want to get promoted. There is no playoffs, there's no sort of other means of promotion. So in your group, in the Girone A, which we were in, you have to win the league. And so we started off well in that regard, including beating Asti, who were one of the favourites to get promoted. We would lose our next game 1-0 away at Chisola, you know, that really famous team. And then we would draw two all with Albenga. Obviously, the best thing about playing in Serie D is the fact that you are not a big side and you do not get big crowds. My average attendance at home was somewhere in the region of 250, which, you know, is just fantastic. And when we travelled away to Cita de Varese, we took one fan with us. <laughs> I like to think he was just on the coach. He just came with the team. I'd, because why? I'd like to propose it's a. It's not actually a fan. It's your mum who's just come out to see you. <laughs> yeah. I can guarantee that my mum would not want to go and watch fourth tier Italian football. Especially if you're in anywhere in the northwest of Italy, like all of the teams are in our group, because I, I, as I was playing through, I'd look at like the cities they were from, and all of the northwest of Italy just seems absolutely beautiful. So, obviously, San Remo is a really nice-looking city, but so was everywhere else. So, if my mum came to, to San Remo, she wouldn't be staying to watch the football. San Remo's stadium's quite... Not even if you were literally the manager. I don't think she would, now. My dad would, and he would be the one fan, but my my mum definitely wouldn't. So, the stadium in San Remo is quite interesting. I remember, I, I took a visit to Leon this summer, I highly recommend it, it's absolutely fantastic. But on my way to another sort of, of monument in the city, the Merdekenuts, which is absolutely fantastic... Um, I remember seeing the, the ruins of an old amphitheatre, and it's signposted and everything... But it's just in the middle of nowhere, to be honest, in, in the city as you're making your way up to, to this this other place. 
And to be honest, that old amphitheatre was insignificantly better nick than San Remo Stadium in real life. It is not good. <laughs> like, you know, a lot's been made about how bad Serie A stadiums are, and they're, they're not great. So you can only imagine how bad they are when we get down to the Serie D level. And... <laughs> You know, there's no funding for them. Nobody watches the games. It's it, it's not a great stadium. And that's probably why there's very few people showing up. I, I think, if I'm correct, the the game the week after the Cita de Varese game, which was at home to Pont de Naz, I'm pretty sure no away fans turned up at all, which is just amazing. <laughs> you, you go to... You know, the game's been played, we drew to all with Pont de Nas, they, they scored two penalties, which was great. We'd scored two in the opening ten minutes, I was like, awesome, we're going to win comfortably, and then two penalties, and sadness. And I just imagine them going, right, let's go and applaud the away fans. Where are the away fans? <laughs> oh. I just imagine the disappointment, it would be kind of like... Uh, a primary school student who's in the school play and their parents haven't do, visited. Do you have season ticket holders? Like that's that. It's, it's a genuine question. Oh, see, I've got, I've got promoted, so I don't know how many. I don't think I can find out how many there were last no, season. No, I don't right? think you can. But like, I just love to think the fact that you may have had season ticket holders who looked at that away game and all just went, "Yeah, nah." I can tell you that for the upcoming season, we have two hundred and thirty-six. <laughs> It's not bad, but like, that's not so bad, say yeah. if you had only half the number last season, <laughs> still 150 people still went, yeah, I've spent a load of money on buying a season ticket for them. I'm still not going to go to that game, though. No, screw that. No. So I've just looked at Pont de Nas, who I've just mentioned didn't take any fans to, to the game away at San Vermezzi. How many season ticket holders do you think they have? 200. 300, maybe. 200? 200, 300? So, how do you want to guess? Uh, 50. 50. 34. <laughs> <laughs> so, Excellent. I think we can safely say they're not the, not the biggest side in, in the league. But anyway, so, like I said, only one promotion spot in Serie D, and I'm glad to say that we did get it. It was really close between us and a side who, I kid you not, are called Bra. Just that, that's it, just B-R-A? Of course. B-R-A, Bra. It, so, it sounds like when you don't have the Brazilian name fix sorted for your FM's sake. <laughs> Yeah, let's just... There's so many jokes we could make. Let's just all... Do you need a Portuguese name fix now, by the way? Because, I like, the Portuguese clubs I've had loaded only have three-letter names. I don't know. Like, Braga just, is Bra. I just have a... I just have a standard um, name fix I think covers everything. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. I should probably get one of those. So, anyway, we on. can all... We can all think of a lot of jokes surrounding a team called Bra, so let's just all filter them out of our heads. And now we'll move on. So, yeah, we were really neck and neck through the first half of the season, but at the beginning of the second half of the season, they, I think, went winless in six, and we won all of our six, so the gap exploded from, like, two points to 20 points. No, no, it wasn't quite 20 because they drew a few games, but it was like, it was closer to 20 than it was to 10. 
And after that, they actually really picked up form again towards the end of the season. We went on a massive winning streak just as we started to kind of stumble, but not really. The the fourth tier, when you get a few really high-quality players, and it was the case for me with Tebby Berlin, if you can think back to my, my first year, my Tennis Brewster Berlin save. If you have two or three good players who are, you know, really high class of the league, you're going to dominate. And that that was the case here, because even with that small slip up towards the end of the season, played 36, won 27, drew 7, lost 2, only conceded 33, and had 88 points, which was 10 points clear of Bra in second. To be honest, I think Bra would have gone up in most other groups. Yeah, in the B group, the winning side got 74. In the C group, 65. D group, 76. E group, 65. F group, 77. So I think... Yeah, G group, 74. You know, I'm not going to go through all of them. Point is, I think they might have had the second best season of anyone in Serie D. And it wasn't enough to get promoted. So it truly is a very cruel league. Right at the end of the season, I, I had my youth intake come through. And as you can imagine, for a club like San Remese, we don't have the best youth facilities. We don't even have a proper stadium, it looks like, an artefact from a bygone era. But one player came through who was actually okay, which was a, a real surprise. He's called Matteo Costagliola. Or not, because that's not how you pronounce any name. Sorry, Italians. But he he was actually... <laughs> I felt like I should issue an apology to South yeah. Africans and also, in fact, all of Africa for my earlier Yeah, that's, that's fair. So, he, he came through the Youth Academy, obviously 15 years old, and my one weakness was arguably my goalkeeping situation because I had two goalkeepers at the, at the club. One called Omar Bowley, who had just... Oh, actually, no, he's not just signed. He's been at San Remese for a few years. And then another guy who I think was called Grotta. You might be able to tell by how I'm talking about him, but I've sold him and I cannot remember his name at all because he, he he wasn't good. A Giovanni Grotta, yeah, who had just joined from Palermo. And both of them were subpar for Serie D. So... A bit of bad luck. Grotta was a long-term injury midway through the season. And then Bowley picked up a knock in training. Not to be confused with Todd Bowley, the owner of Chelsea. But, to be honest, I think... I think both of them are not very good at anything. So, so that uh, they're quite similar. <laughs> but that led to me starting a goalkeeper at 15 years old in net. And remarkably ended up being arguably better than both of them through the limited number of games he played. And, like, he's on the lower end of 15. I think he's 15 in, like, 150 days at the point where he makes his debut. But, yeah, that's the first time I've ever started a 15-year-old in a game. Which surprisingly works. Apparently, he's wanted by Serie B sides, though I've just got him to sign a professional contract when he turns 17 so fingers crossed it wasn't a fluke and he ends up being decent because if if he does that will be the biggest piece of luck i've i've ever had i've not gone into my survey c season yet 
But I have been able to make a few transfers. They're all on threes and they're all players you won't know. Most of them almost didn't want to come because they were being targeted by bigger clubs. But after a while, those bigger clubs either lost interest or weren't just just weren't doing anything. So they ended up signing for me. So that includes Francesco Cervatelli, who was in Cervatelli last season for everyone's favourite club, Cavavese. Some say named after Jamie Carragher, but we don't know. <laughs> Another guy called Paolo Coley, who has joined us from a Serie D side, Serravezza. Lorenzo Colombini looks quite good. He joins from Sorrento. Diego Stramaccioni, who joins from Juventus. Not the first team, funnily enough. Savio Pierulli from Monopoly. Not to be confused with the board game. Ilaia Petrelli joins from Procesto and Antonio Chioffi joins from Ancona. And you might remember Alexander Brown briefly talked about Serie C on last year's podcast because you were talking about Provercelli. And Serie C is really interesting because there are 20 teams in our group. 20th gets relegated automatically, 1st gets promoted automatically. But then, the sides between 19th and 16th play in a relegation playoff. Um, maybe not, depending on points. But let's just say 16th through 19th plays in a playoff and not complicate it. And the sides from 2nd through 10th play in a playoff for promotion. So that means out of 20 teams, there are only 5 who finish the season after the normal matches have been played without either going up, going down, or being in a playoff. So, because of the three signings we've made, we have, we're now a fringe playoff contender already, despite being expected to finish 11th. And also, I mentioned the Coppa Italia Serie C, which is in the game, because it's actually part of the base game. If you win that, like I said, you get a guaranteed playoff spot, and 11th in your league becomes a playoff spot. So that could mean only four teams in the league with nothing to do at the end of the season. So despite the fact we've only just got promoted from Serie D, despite the fact we have by far the smallest budget in the league and 213 ticket holders, which is not even close to the lowest total (laughs) in the division, which is absolutely fantastic. The lowest is Vecanatese with... Sorry. With... Just 85 season tickets. We do have a chance of going straight through Serie C and getting promoted to Serie B. What happens if you win the Serie C copper, but then finish in 20th? Do you just not get relegated and finish mid-table? Is that... I think you could... I I don't know. I... See, the thing is, it says on the Copper Tolly Serie C playoff spot for winner... So I would assume that so, means you go into the playoffs. I think I found my next save, know. boys. My next editor save, at least. <laughs> Destroy <laughs> a team in the league, but then get them into the playoffs and get them promoted. Get promoted despite not winning Don't a win a game in the game. league. Get up. Brilliant. Zero points promoted. Yeah. Let me just double check. Uh, yeah, winner qualifies for the Serie C now playoff second round. So you missed the first round as well, so you, you've got a really good yeah. chance of going up. It is a it's a wild ride in, in Serie C, and I am very excited for it. 
Yeah, and obviously you can take um, Tam Brown's suggestion still because I believe Pro Vercelli are still in the league for this season. There are a few really interesting sides in Civisi for this this season, but we don't play any of them. So, actually, Sasena <laughs> used to be in Serie A if I remember correctly. Yeah, as late as 2015, they're in our league. So that's that's quite fun. But I think Venezia have just been relegated to Serie C in this. Benevento, who were only in Serie A a few years ago. Catania as well. Oh, there are lots of big sides in in Serie, uh, Al- in Serie C. Albino, Albino Lefe are in uh, Serie C. They are, which, yes. Uh, fun fact. Uh, they did used to be a, a good Serie B side and uh, are responsible for Vito Minone's uh, footballing career. Wow, that's so less impressive than I thought it was nice. going to be, to be honest. <laughs> I was doing something wild. It's just Vito Minone. Oh, I mean, come we, on, Vito Minone is a bit wild. It's not we like... all love Vito Minone. Unless we don't, then I don't. We all do. I don't know. He's an Arsenal player. I don't have an opinion on him. Oh, I, would, I wouldn't have called him he a footballer. He was certainly a footballer that played. He was, he was yeah. one of the footballers of all time. Yeah. So, long-time listeners will remember that last year, uh, one of our regular themes was Alex Woodward uh, doing what he called the Going Deutsch Save, where he put managers for each of the three of us into Germany and just, just see how we did. And we'd have a chat about it at the end of each pod and see how we were getting on in the simulated save. Uh, and we're going to have a new one for FM24, so we'll get onto that in just a second, but first we never actually wrapped up the going Deutsch save from last season. So, Woodward, please enlighten us on how the going Deutsch save has wrapped up. Right, so I'll be perfectly honest, I've not looked at this in like two or three months, so it's going to be really <laughs> interesting for me to find out too. We'll very quickly start off with what happened in the Dritter and the Schweiz because obviously all of our managers at this point are in the Bundesliga and I'll get on to them in a bit. But just to, to wrap up the other leagues, Dinamo Dresden, you might remember, had a rapid rise to the Bundesliga and then equally rapid fall where they were promoted in back-to-back seasons and then relegated in back-to-back seasons while they have once again been promoted to the Spiter. And it feels a shame to sort of end this save on this season, just see if they could get back to the Bundesliga again and just be a roller coaster. I would have really liked that. Mines were also in the Dritte Liga after two relegations in three seasons, but they have bounced back at the first attempt as well to the Zweite Bundesliga. I don't think there's anyone notable in either of those two sides. No. Not off the top of my Well, head. Noel Atom, who used to play. Well, you wouldn't know because it's 2029, so it's not like they're the, the same Noel players Atom. as real life. Yeah, Noel Atom played for me in my Tebby Berlin save, He also, and I, I mentioned believe, him on the podcast. I believe he got a move this summer to Did Brighton. He? I think uh-huh. so. Yes, oh, then again, yes he he played does. for Leipzig, why he... would I care? Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's signed for Brighton Don't you like it when summer? you're upset about something? And then realizes well, you're gonna no hate it. To. Oh. You're gonna hate it even more. He played as a youngster with Hertha Berlin. Yeah. I don't know why I'd hate that. I thought you were not a big fan of Hertha. I mean, yeah, but he didn't play for them. Well, not I mean, I'm not not a right. fan of Hertha. I just prefer Union Berlin. But anyway, 
Where was I? Yeah, no one else notable. Uh, nothing else notable in the in the Dritter Liga. Augsburg finished 12th. Fun. I think Hamburg and Hansa Rostock are both below... Oh, and Hoffenheim are all below the Dritter Liga now. And, well, I did screw up Hoffenheim on purpose, but I didn't do it with the other two sides. I think what happened with Hamburg is that the keeper just kept scoring own goals in his own net. Yes, I am going to keep referencing that. <laughs> it's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> so, you might also remember that Babelsberg were promoted to the Zweite Liga. Babelsberg being from... Just outside of Berlin, from the Potsdam area, and I decided to give them lots and lots of players. Included in that was Vinicius, Gianluca Scamacca, Fafana, Calvin Phillips. I didn't realise I'd given him Calvin Phillips, but I had. And Tiago, <laughs> Tiago Tomas was there as well. I don't think anyone else is notable. Oh, Antalmo Garcia McNulty, who I've signed on two different saves. Grisha Permel is there, Flamian Flick. They've got quite a few notable players and they they spent sixty eight million in the Spider Bundesliga. It will not be too much of a surprise to you, but they won the Spider Bundesliga as a result. The side going up with them, Vaka Burkhausen, who you might remember I made a lot of signings for as well. Included in that was Diet Upper Meccano, Serge Nabry, and the best left back in world football. That's right, Kai Havertz. Yes. Best left back. We all know this. Who would even play him anywhere else? I don't think they made any Best left back, best midfielder, best striker, just the best. Yeah, but particularly at left back, as as visionary Julian Nagelsmann noted. Of course. Of course. For the rest of this podcast, I'm going to have to apologise for any background noise, which I am in no control over. So yeah, Vaka Berghausen were also promoted from the Spider Bundesliga to the Bundesliga. You might remember that Kylian Mbappe and Erling Haaland were both stuck in the Spider. Neither of them have been promoted. They were both promoted in their first season from the Dritter, and they have been stuck in the Spider ever since. Who do we think scored more goals this season? Me. No. Actually, I'll ask this. Instead of asking about those two in particular, remember that Erling Carland, Vinicius, Kylian Mbappe, Randall Colomuani are all in these fights. Who scored the most goals in the league? I think this this strike is better than all of them. Fulkrug. No. I've already mentioned him. Marvin Ducks. No. Chupo Moting. Oh, I wish. Now, Gianluca um, Scamacca of Babelsberg oh. <laughs> scored more goals than Erling Haaland, Vinicius, Kylian Mbappe, and Rando Colo Moani. That is a lot. I mean, we love to see it. We love to I will, see it. I will it. point out, 26 goals in 32, that's fewer than he scored in my actual save with Leon in Ligue 1, where he scored, <laughs> well, over the course of the season, was it 65, I think? I can't remember now. But that was my actual proper save. You might remember as well that I I tanked Bayern Munich. They are in the relegation playoff. I've not played it, but also it doesn't matter because we're not doing this save after this episode again. I I might do it as a written feature on the website just to carry it on. That might be fun. Go ahead. to To replace it on here. 
meanwhile, Hertz, Lynn and Bochum were both relegated from the Zweite Bundesliga. I think both of them had just been relegated from the Bundesliga the year before. So they went straight... Th- oh, no, sorry. Bochum had just been... Bochum had spent three years in the Zweite Bundesliga before being relegated. Joss Madger is their captain, and that's probably why they were relegated. So, yeah, Hertha Berlin going straight through the league, which, to be honest, it looked like they were going to do in real life anyway, up until, well, through the opening weeks of the season. Buying in the relegation playoff, and Energy Cottbus, you might remember, had a load of good players. They finished 14th, despite having Patrick Bamford and Harvey Elliott, and Enzo Lefay. Go figure. There we go. That just sums it all up, doesn't it, really? Yeah. So, just to remind you, Alex Tant Brown had just guided Saarbrücken into the league as Fight Bundesliga champions. Alex Towels was at Werder Bremen. I can't remember where you finished the year before. You finished 13th the year before. Yes, absolutely right. I was at Union Berlin, having just won the Bundesliga. Good. And... Ted Lasso was still at Bayreuth, and they had just finished ninth in the league. So, who did worse out of all of those managers? I've got a feeling uh, Ted Lasso. I'm just going to go with that. Yeah, it was Ted Lasso. I don't think I can see their transfers anymore, because they're not actually in the base save. I've transferred this save to... To FM24 to look at it. And obviously, Bayreuth were in the base game on FM23. They were in the Dritt League, but they were relegated, so they are no longer in the base game. And yeah, most of the stuff has gone from... I can't see anything about the transfer business I did. But don't worry. They're still... They've still got a ludicrous... Oh, wait, hang on. Oh, no, there it is. I can see it now. So I didn't really bring in... Many notable players. I brought in Brennan Johnson from Nottingham Forest, Tayo Adaramola from Leipzig, a regen from Man United who was really good, Declan Rice from Real Madrid. I'll be honest, I didn't see that at first when I said that I hadn't brought in anyone notable. <laughs> I had. Davo DK from West Brom and Leandro Morgala from Leipzig. But they, in the end, finished ninth outside of Europe, of course. One place clear of Brush Dorman, who I didn't do anything to, but apparently just suck now, which I kind of do in real life as well, but they're still somehow getting results despite playing utterly terrible football. They're playing well in the game that's currently on as I'm watching this, but anyway. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. The next worst team was Union Berlin, who fell from league champions to seventh in one season. Do I know how? Not really, because they'd spent 123 million euros in their title defence. They brought in Leon Goretzka, a... is he a regen from Man City? Yeah, wow, he's valued at 120 million. 21-year-old. Marco Asensio, that Georgian who I can't pronounce the name of. Actually, that applies to... Fraiskelia? No, he currently plays for... Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. Maxence Lacroix for 50 million euros. What are you doing, Woodward? Jesus, Diogo Travassos, who plays for Sporting in real life. Anyone else notable? Oh, Armal Belakotchap, who I miss dearly every single day. And Raphael Liao on a three. 
So this side should have been doing a lot better. They did not though, and they miss out on Europe for next season because I believe the oh no, the cup winners haven't been decided yet. So maybe they get so into maybe. Europe. Let me just have a look at who's in the DFB Pokal. Oh my god! <laughs> now the what? DFB Pokal final has been played. Mm-hmm. The winners on penalties are second tier Hanover. Yes, get in. <laughs> Who do you think they beat in the final? Alex Town Brown. Alex Town Brown. No, they beat Dritterliga Paderborn. Do you know what's funny about that as well? Is that there has been a Spider Bundesliga side win the DFB Pokal in real life. It was Hanover (laughs) in 1992, (laughs) I want to say. Good. So, absolutely fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what's happened there, but Hanover won the DFB Pokal. So, yeah, it's not. (laughs) Union Berlin are not getting into Europe after all. So, the best two sides out of our managers were Saarbrücken and Werder Bremen. They finished three points apart in the end, and you'll be glad to hear, neither manager was sacked. Which team did better, the newly promoted Saarbrücken or Werder Bremen? I I would love to finish... We started off this save with me getting towels sacked. I would love for the poeticness to continue and for me to finish above him. I reckon I'm better than Tant Brown. And you're right. Yeah, Werder Bremen yeah, did it. It, it was a, a remarkable season of overachievement for, for Saarbrücken because you've actually not spent a lot of, of money, especially compared to me and Towels. And I've not really brought in anyone on freeze either. So in your Spider Bundesliga season, you, you only spent 6.2 million. Now, granted, I did give you players and then edited them to make them a lot better but like compared to what I've done for Union Berlin and for Werder Bremen you actually didn't have a lot and this year you spent 22.5 million euros you got Frank Kessier in on loan from Barcelona and Alexander Nubel in from Roma but apart from that you you signed two players from Bayreuth who wanted to leave Julian Weigel and Shola Shortire and then Hassan Awar from Borussia Mönchengladbach, which I loved, obviously, um, considering my Leon save from last year, he was absolutely fantastic. And then a guy I've never heard of from Hertha, who was a 16-year-old region, so we don't need to talk about him. But yeah, you you did absolutely fantastic. Now, I, I did I did help you, like I said, with the with making players a lot better. And this brings me on to who the top goal scorer was in the Bundesliga this year. It was a player that I originally signed for Alex Towles, who then left Alex Towles' side, and then I signed again for Alex Tam Brown with 29 goals this season. Who was the top goal scorer in the Bundesliga? Nico Fulgrew. No. You cl- you you you're close. Uh, Josh Sargent. No, not Josh. He's never he's never played in the Bundesliga or in German football at all. In real life, no. Eddie Nketiah. No, he's he's um, towels would have played him last season on his save. What? Early on, on what, his... in my Taunton save. Yeah, I thought I'd give it away. 
British Ambalonga uh, in his Chibarak first Tom. season of his Taunton save. No, Nick McCutie. Oh, Nick McCutie. Nick McCutie was the Bundesliga's <laughs> top goal scorer. 29 I goals. I forgot, completely forgot about 200 current ability, Nick McCutie. Yeah, Nick yeah, McCutie, like, we love you. One of the best parts of the save. Darwin Nunes scored nine goals, which is a bit of a letdown. Other players who did well in the goal-scoring charts. Phil Foden of Carlsberg got... 11 goals. I'm sure he's going to move to Karlsruhe in real life any day now. Matisse Tal of Union Berlin got 12. Victor Gjokves of Kaiserslautern got 14. Brendan Aronson, the best player, as we all know, playing for Fortuna Köln, got 15. Matthias Arezo, you might remember, scored 19. Nicholas Fulcrew with 20. I'm going to get on to the guy who finished second in the scoring charts later on. But the guy who, who finished second got 25 goals, Makuti with 29. Let's quickly talk about Werder Bremen before we wrap up everything else that happened. Werder Bremen this year did 166 million euros of transfer business compared to Tamp Brown's 22, three points apart. The so league. You bought they, the they league! <laughs> Well, they didn't. They brought fourth place. They brought fourth place. How shit must you be? You bought fourth place. <laughs> My favourite one, their, their top signing of the summer for 47 million euros was Lovros Vonovec, who you might remember was a key player in my Tebby Berlin side. So, nice to see Lovro back. He had a good season, 7.09 average rating. Apart from that, they brought in a regen from AC Milan, Moises Caicedo, Rico Lewis, um, Warren Zaire Emery, who I believe Tamp Brown had. I did, I had him at uh, Vaduz. Yeah, Edmund Tapsober. A regen from Atalanta, a regen from Bayern, a regen from Salta Vigo, and Aaron Ramsdale. As you do. As you do. <laughs> oh no, sorry, I, I got him Aaron Ramsdale, I've just realised it's alone, and that Ramsdale is the best player at Arsenal. I was like, why did I, why did they loan Aaron Ramsdale? Why were they allowed to? And I was like, uh, I, I did that. Oh my god, who's the manager of Arsenal? Pep Guardiola. No. Jack Wilson. Yes! Yes! Jack Wilshire is the manager of Arsenal. We love to see him. The it. fact you guessed that's fantastic. It's, it's I, he's not even a good manager. It's because he's the under-18s boss at the moment. That's why. Oh, is he? Yes. Oh, wow. So, anyway, Werder Bremen finished fourth. Karlsruhe finished third, like I said. Oh, Stefan Baumgart's the manager of Karlsruhe. Oh, that's absolutely fantastic. They've got Frank De Jong, Chomaney, Coleman, and Phil Foden as well, who I'm sure are all going to sign for cars for in real life. I mean, if Lars Dindle did, why wouldn't they? <laughs> so, they finished third. The title race was between Julian Nagelsmann's St. Pauli and right. Roberto Mancini's Kaiserslautern. Now, Kaiserslautern have won the league quite a lot in the last few years they they won it three times in four years before um union berlin came along and st Pauli were the runners up from the year before i think when st Pauli were runners up it was erdin terzic who was the manager where did he go mm-hmm. history managers but terzic 
was sacked. So, if only another club would sack him. It didn't make a difference, though. St. Pauli finished three points behind Kaiserslautern, who will once again be league champions for the fourth time in five years. No, fourth time in six years, sorry. So this brings me back to the guy who finished second place. St. Pauli had a transcendent striker this year. He was so good that he he not only... Oh, by the way, they did $162 million in transfer business. They brought in Wisdom and May, Elan Melier for $32 million off Fair de Bremen. That's why I got Ramsdale. They, they signed a region from Union Berlin, uh, another region from Leipzig, Paul Scholl, who I think plays for... Is he on loan at Alversburg this year? No, I think that's fake. Anyway, they brought in a lot of, of, of players. Oh, Archie Gray on a three. I probably did that. Paul Nabel on a three. I definitely did that. Harvey Kane came back on loan as well. But anyway, they, they brought in a transcendent striker the year before from Stuttgart for £38 million. This is not a, a deal that I had a hand in. But he, he was really good this year in the... In the league, in, in everything, 25 goals in 31 in the league, 34 in 48 overall. And he won the Ballon d'Or. A St. Pauli player won the Ballon d'Or. Who was it? Do they play for St. Pauli in real life? No. Though you definitely know who they are. We'll, we'll try and do a QI thing where where each answer gets us closer to the... Or each guest gets us Jude close Belly. to the answer. Jude Bellingham, no, they're a striker. I, I, again, I just want to say someone like uh, Kofi Kiera or... Uh... No. They're close to my heart, like Kofi Chire is. Billy Sharp. Billy Sharp. They've played for the same club that Billy Sharp has played Billy for. Billy Joy. Not in Joy, no. You're further oh, away now. other... Why would they no, look? Anel Ahmed Hozic. No, it's, you're it's going a, further it's a away. Striker who has played for Sheffield United, and the only one. It's nope, wrong. Wait, has played for? Not didn't play for Sheffield United. Leeds? Played for Leeds. It's not Eddie. Played's not right. Eddie and Ketia. Played for wrong tens. No. Played in the wrong tens. That's past tense. That's incorrect. Play, oh, plays for Leeds. Plays for Leeds. Jorginho Ruta. Jorginho Ruta won the Ballon d'Or. Oh, nice. Tag him. I don't think I've edited it. I mean... Tag him. Tag it. Tag him. Oh, no, I edited him. I've edited him. But yeah, he joined St. Pauli and won the Ballon d'Or. So that's your random Leeds player the episode sorted. <laughs> Brilliant. We love to see it. Love it. Right, so that's for going Deutsch. Save. Sorted. So, what's your... Um, with just as much madness. What's your What's your mm. next experiment to right. do? So, this year, I've decided to go in a slightly different direction. Still mental. Still mental, but different. Now... If you are a football fan like me, I'm sure you've seen what's been happening in Saudi Arabia and been viewing it with some sort of displeasure, hatred, anger, whatever. I've not been thrilled about what's been happening with Saudi Arabia. I'm sure you can guess why. But 
I I was sat there and I thought the concept itself of trying to make a, a, a small league big, uh, trying to turn it into the best league in the world, is not something I'm against, of course. Why would I be? So I thought, let's do Saudi Arabia, but in a country that is way better than Saudi Arabia. Because I don't know if you know this, but Saudi Arabia is a hellhole. So let's not do it there. Let's give another country the the chance to, to have that sort of experience. And so that's what we're going to be doing this time. I'm going to put us three, and maybe Tad Lasso, I'm not sure, into a save. And we will decide... Not only transfer policy for for our teams, but also for the rest of the league. And the idea is to buy stars and to make this league the best league in the world with the help of the editor. So I had to decide which country I would want to to put this in. And at first I was going to go Uruguay because Marcelo Bielsa. And I decided against it in the end, not only because Uruguay is an established football nation anyway. They've won the World Cup for crying out loud. But also because, did you know, there's a team called Montevideo City in Uruguay. I didn't. I was deeply disappointed. So, anyway, I decided against that in the end. And I wanted to go for a league where, you know, they, they've got football fans and there's big clubs. But they're not quite, they've not had the same level of success. And so, after literally minutes of thinking about this, I decided to pick Chile. And that is where the next version of the editor save is going to take place. It's going to be in the Chilean Primera Division. And we're going to try and make it the best league in the world. And to start us off, first of all, we need to decide on which teams we're going to be managing from the get-go. But then, I want us to each sign three world-class players who are going to who are going to play for us. So, I've decided to take over at Huachipato. Which is almost certainly not how you say that name, Huachipato, eh, probably, which is from the city of Talcahuano. The reason I've picked them, if you look at the logo, you'll you'll get it straight away. But their their logo is based off the U.S. Steel logo, and if you are a fan of American football, you will know that the U.S. Steel logo is also the basis for the logo of the Pittsburgh Steelers, which just happens to be the team I support <laughs> in the NFL. So I've decided to take over them because of the, the similarity to, to the Pittsburgh Steelers. That was the obvious choice for me. So for you two, what I, I thought was I was going to spin a, a name generator and then ask you if there was a club that you wanted to to manage in particular. There is Everton. There is a side called Everton in the Primera Division, which I just find funny, so you can pick them. But the, the person who gets first choice on their team is... Alex Tamp Brown. Believe, believe it or not, right, I do actually have a favourite Chilean team, which is... Such a oh, which is in. such a football manager thing to say, isn't it? Really, um, yeah. this goes back to the good old FM '08 days, where you could sign a really, I think it was a really good player from these guys. I can't remember for the life of me who it was. I think it might have been uh, Fabian Oriana, if anybody remembers him. Um, he was a wonder kid for a good few seasons on FM, and it's uh, Audax Italiano. 
Audax Italiano, okay, that's the team you're going to be taking over. Towels, do you have a preference? Uh, yeah, so I'm looking through, and I would like to be Kokimbo Unido if I can, because their logo has a picture of a pirate on it. I, I would like to put it on record that I am amused by uh, O'Higgins, just the club being called O'Higgins. That's well, it's going to be like in the... Uh, but they do lose out to the team with yeah, the Yeah, it's going to be in the same vein as like a lot of Argentinian clubs from like the 1880s and 1890s who were, you know, descendants of Scottish and English immigrants. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, so, I know why. It just, I'm just, I think one thing probably... I've got to mention, the, the team I've picked are from the city of Talcahuano. And they've actually got a significant role in football history because there was a player who played in the city called Ramon Ignacio Unzaga Alsa, and he played for the club Estrella del Mar. And he is the person who invented the bicycle kick, which is just such a wild niche bit of football history trivia almost. Next, we're going to go on to the draft for players. So we'll have to pick the guys we want to sign for our teams. It will be done at the end of every episode where we pick players for our teams who have not been selected yet. And it's probably going to get harder with every episode because I'm going to be signing players for all the other teams as well, like I did on the Going Deutsch editor save. But first of all, we'll have to spin the wheel to see who gets the first pick? <gasps> yes! Alex Woodward gets first pick. By the way, we did all have three, just, just in case you're wondering. So, who's my first pick going to be? Well, I I want to save him from his current club, so I think I'm going to pick Erling Haaland. I need to save him from Manchester City, and I'm sure that he wants to be saved from Manchester City as well. So we'll spin the wheel to see who gets to go second. I feel like Towels always loses at these. Oh, it's <laughs> close. Oh, it's borderline. It's Towels who gets the second pick. We'll go in snake Ooh. draft format to make it fairer as well. Kylian Mbappe. How many players Mbappe. are we picking today? We're picking three each. Okay. So, Tam Brown, it's time for your two picks. My two picks are uh, Bakayo Saka and Jude Bellingham. Saka and Bellingham. Damn you. Excellent I choices. Bellingham. Towels? Um, uh, Martinelli and uh, Chuameni. Um, Then it snakes back round to me. I'm going to take De Bruyne and then... The last one's so difficult. I would have taken Bellingham if someone hadn't stolen him. Um, I think I'm going to take Vinicius. Yeah, Vinicius. Right, final pick then for... Oh, you weren't meant to pick two towels. Damn it, I didn't realise. Oh, why did I pick two? Oh, that was stupid. Well, well, oh, well. Well, well he, he still gets his second pick anyway because you didn't choose him. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, you've got one more to pick, Tamp Brown. Yeah, uh, I feel as though you've all forgotten about a very key position on the pitch, so I'm going to choose Alisson. You've signed Alisson, okay, and then I'm going to sign at least three players for every side. I might have to blog about this one as well, just so just so everyone can keep up with the transfers. 
Just a huge spreadsheet. Yeah, we are going to turn the Chilean Primera Division into the best league in the world. Can't wait. And with that, I think we've reached the end of the podcast. It's another odyssey of uh, football manager wait, chat. Gone. Can I? Can I slightly interrupt? So, as we've been recording, and as um, I've been holidaying through on my Man United save, mm-hmm. um, and we've we've hit some fairly good milestones. So the Champions League group has ended. Uh, Man United finished bottom with a nil point and a minus 36 goal. I am goal, shocked. A minus 36 goal difference. Mm-hmm. But we scored. We scored. Um, a goal hey! in a 3-2 loss against Lons. Uh, we scored twice. Uh, Richarlison and Anthony getting the goals. Uh, since the start of November, we have since lost 10-0 to Newcastle, 7-0 to Everton, 7-0 to City, 4-0 to Liverpool, 5-0 to Bournemouth, 7-0 to Fulham, and we have scored again. Uh, Alejandro Garnacho scored for us, but we lost 9-1 to Wolves. Rip. Well, you know, it's something. It's cloud and all that. You have given me the idea in the editor save to destroy Newcastle by making a load of really big, stupid signings like I did with Bayern. That's, that, it's, it's absolutely incredible. So that leaves us 17 games played, uh, absolute rock bottom of the Premier League, uh, a minus 175 goal difference, 176 conceded and one goal scored. So we score a goal every 17 games and we concede at least 10 a game on average. Uh, in the fellow relegation candidates are Everton on seven points and uh, Luton Town on 12. Um, we are 14 points from safety and we are most definitely going down. <laughs> also, um, I never mentioned this earlier, um, our finances are a bit woeful. Uh, we have a, a bank balance of minus 275 million and we are projected to fail FFP for both the Champions League and the Premier League by quite a distance. Rip. Well, isn't that wonderful? Um, and on that note, we shall wrap up the episode. Thank you for listening. As always, if you enjoy the episode, please uh, give it a rate. Rate us five stars um, or no, 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 rate us two stars or something else. But please rate us five stars. That'd be nice. Uh, and tell your football manager loving friends about us because I don't know if if we love sitting around and listening to other people talk about football manager, then surely other people do. And that's why you're listening. So uh, maybe, you know, other people who like this as well. Um, if you want to see things around the podcast, check out Woodward's blog where he will be, where he might be writing pieces around his saves. Uh, check out my Twitter at FM Towels, where I post sporadically about my saves. Uh, and Tam Brown doesn't do anything, so you can ignore him. Um, you can find us all, well, you can find Tam Brown and I on Twitter, just our personal Twitters as well. They're in the description. Uh, but yeah. Oh, just um, to correct the record, by the way, it, my Twitter wasn't deleted because I didn't use it, as said, as it said in the podcast description. I deleted it because of Elon Musk. Just, and just you mean record. you also never used it? I wasn't wrong. I I never used it. No, that's fair. I did I did use it. I just never posted. I was a what Reddit Redditors would call a lurker. Fair enough. Anyway, that's the podcast. Thank you, Mister Tambran. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Woodward. Grazie. We'll see you whenever we record another one.
Cheers. Arrivederci. Ciao.